0: And we're back, Stripe Show podcast on a very special Sunday night evening. I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day. So much happening uh, in the world of professional golf. Congratulations to Ponte own Billy Horschel as he gets his seventh win on the PGA Tour. Billy, of course... A fan of the Stripe Show podcast. He's been on a couple of times. We're actually going to reach out to Billy tonight, see if we can get him on this week to talk about his seventh win at the Memorial Jacks Tournament. What a resume now for Billy Horschel. Seven wins on the PGA Tour. Of course, the former Florida Gator. His first win, he got to go back to 2013. That was the Zurich Classic of New Orleans when it was a regular stroke play event, BMW Championship in 14, the Tour Championship in 14. He was the FedEx Cup winner that year. AT&T Byron Nelson in 17, and then he won the Zurich Classic again in 18 with Scott Piercy, nearly won it again a couple years ago with Sam Burns. WGC Dell Technologies match play, of course, last year, 2021. That was an impressive win, beating Scotty Scheffler in the finals, and now here he is again in the winner's circle. Mirfield Village Billy Horschel, congratulations! We'll look to get him on this coming week, if not in the near future. Tonight we have a special Stripe Show podcast, and uh, this podcast tonight and this year is brought to you by Glenn Fidich, our new sponsor right here of the Stripe Show podcast. Joining our others about golf, PXG, Haymaker Coffee, we can't do this without you. And now we welcome Glenn Fittich uh, to our platform, the world's most awarded single malt scotch whiskey. It's expertly crafted and made with extraordinary care. Each single malt is a work of perfection. Super excited about tonight. Recorded uh, the podcast uh, with a gentleman by the name of Peter Ginsburg, who is one of the top attorneys uh, in the country. He has a lot of experience taking on some of the biggest sports organizations in this country, including the PGA Tour. Peter represented Vijay Singh um, with his case against the PGA Tour. Uh, he has went up against the NCAA. He has went up against the NFL and others. This guy has seen it all. And I reached out to him. As we look at what's happening between the PGA Tour and the LIV investment group, uh, so many moving parts, so many angles since recording this podcast with Peter, Kevin Na has now resigned from the PGA Tour. Uh, Resigning from the PGA Tour, of course, Kevin Na, part of that list that will be playing in London next week, joining Dustin Johnson joining Hudson Swafford, joining Taylor Gooch. So the wheels are in motion. I thought I'd reach out to Peter. He responded. We couldn't have a better guy to ask some specific questions on what is happening right now as we look to be going towards lawsuits and what's going to be happening potentially in the next coming month and what kind of stance does the PGA Tour have, what kind of stance does the LIV Investment Group have, and what kind of stance, of course, do the players have as independent contractors. So I'm very excited uh, to bring you uh, one of the best conversations I think we've had here on season four of the Stripe Show podcast. Thank you so much for being here and enjoy this conversation with one of the top attorneys in the country, Peter Ginsburg. And joining me now from New York City, Peter Ginsburg. Thank you very much for uh for joining me. I appreciate it.
1: It's good to be here, Travis. Thank you.
0: Well, this is um an interesting time in, um, in professional golf for us. And as we go down this path of a, uh, a, a true competitor, um, at the table in the world of, of professional golf. And there's, there's so much on the table here that I want to ask you and so many angles that we could come at this from, but let's, let's start here. Uh, Peter, you you've had a lot of success on, behalf of your clients against some of the biggest sports organizations, including NCAA, the NFL, and the PGA Tour, uh, the competitor here is the LIV Investment Group, LIV Golf. It's, it's accusing the PGA Tour of archaic and uh, monopolistic practices. Based on your experience, what's, what's your view right now of PGA Tour regulations?
1: Well, having, having fought at least some of the PGA Tour regulations, I'm, I'm clearly not a fan. And I think that the PGA, in a lot of ways, is archaic and does a fairly effective job at being as um, monopolistic to, um, as, as possible and to keep uh, dissenting voices out to have control from the top down in a way that compromises its players' activities and and rights. Having said that, um, I don't think that necessarily dictates how its dispute with the Saudis is going to come out or its dispute with Greg Norman is is going to uh, resolve. I think it's a very complicated situation.
0: Mm -hmm. So... There's there's a lot of um, discussion in the public amongst you know the fans of the tour restricting members who who are independent contractors. So the players are independent contractors. Uh, the PGA Tour, of course, is a non for profit organization. Where where is the line in in what the tour can and cannot enforce
1: given those terms? it's interesting i think one of the things the tour ultimately is going to be most concerned about is whether it's going to be able to keep its not-for-profit status it's almost a you know it's almost a joke to say the tour just like the nfl is a not-for-profit organization although technically that's obviously correct the tour stands in an unusual position for two reasons one is in contrast to the nfl for instance uh, the participants are independent contractors and not employees, uh, and that that has legal consequences. The second unusual aspect of the tour is that, again, in contrast to the NFL or the NHL or, or, or Major League Baseball, there's no union, no collective bargaining bargaining agreement, and under the law, that means it does not have effectively the right to, um, to monopolize in the same way as a unionized sport does. Hmm. So the, the, the PGA um, uh, for those two reasons is in a potentially more vulnerable position than you know the NFL might be to preclude its players from playing uh, for an offshoot league at the same time as they're playing uh, for the NFL. So they can
0: enforce right like clearly the tour, um, Jay Monahan the commissioner, he there's rules and regulations. Um, they can enforce when a player acts out whether it's financial, um, whether it's some kind of other disciplinary action. but they've drawn a pretty thick line here right I mean Jay Monahan has basically stated look, you're either with us. Or you're without us, right? If you go to the Liv Group and you're going to play on that tour, then you're probably not going to play on the PGA Tour. Is that a is that too thick of a line to draw in the sand?
1: Well, I think that there are certain factors that provide Monahan with some rational basis for doing what what he's doing. You know, on the one hand, the law looks at, for instance, whether consumers would be benefited or not with um, additional comp, uh, additional competi- competition. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, um, what Monaghan can say with some um, appropriateness is that if you didn't enforce the rules that all the players agreed to, um, there would be havoc in the scheduling, there would be havoc in the rankings, um, there, there are certain um, inefficiencies that would, would be built into the system. Now, I'm not sure that the, the golf fan can decide whether you know, he or she wants to watch a particular competition. I, I think if I were Mon- Monaghan, one of the things I would recommend to him, and this is somewhat contrary to its sort of archaic and uh, very conservative philosophy and view of the world, I think Monaghan might have a much stronger case if he said, look, Saudi Arabia right now, because of its politics and because of its history, because of its reputation, would necessarily tarnish the participants that we as an organization, you know, have a right to take a stand adverse to Saudi Arabia. We want to make a political statement. You know, the NBA, not necessarily voluntarily, but the NBA essentially took that same position with China a couple of years ago. And I think that if you know, Monaghan were to mix the politics with the, his commercial desires, he effectively might have a much stronger case. And when you look at the uh, the other side of this dispute, There is Saudi Arabia with its horrific history of killing journalists, suppressing minorities, um, having antiquated, although somewhat liberating now, um, uh, policies towards women and minorities. Um, Greg Norman and Phil Mickelson are not really the ideal spokesperson for, um, in my opinion, anyhow, for... Mm. Um, what they are trying to accomplish. I mean, it's almost laughable to hear Greg Norman say that he cares about the rights of the players. What he cares about is the extraordinary amount of money he's making. Um, And his comments sort of um, uh, brushing to the side, the history of Saudi Arabia, I think, speaks volumes as to what he really cares about. Mm -hmm. So I think there are different ways that Monahan could play this. I don't think that um, I don't think he'll do it. I don't think that the PGA is sort of liberated enough to take a political stand like that. But I think ultimately it, it could help him in the um, with both with public opinion and potentially even legally.
0: So if I'm hearing you right here, it one of the things that might hurt the PGA Tour's stance is their as we're, you're putting it archaic, um, stance and regulations of things that might be something if this does go to court, which for all intents and purposes, it sure looks like we're going that way um, that they could be on the wrong side of that. If you look at where their stance and their regulation, I mean, w- it would, would that be an example of where they are on the wrong side? Is there others that you could see that are kind of glaring that could be an issue to the PGA tour? And then on the flip side, you know, where, are they on the right side of things as we go down this path to potential lawsuits?
1: You know, when you look at antitrust law, the sort of two driving forces are monopoly and conspiracy. There's no doubt that the PGA has, well, let me, let me modify that. The PGA does have a monopoly over professional golf. Um, there are some competing tours or at least tours that theoretically are competitors in in Europe and elsewhere. Um, But for the most part, I don't think it could be legitimately argued that the PGA does not have monopolistic powers. And the PGA historically has exercised those powers by compromising players' rights, by um, doing what it, can to um, modify players' uh, rights with regard to speech, with regard to um, activities. Um, I mean, a, a couple of years ago, the PGA got involved in a dispute about a um, you know deer antler spray, and um, allowed the senior players to use the stuff, but not the PGA players, and essentially lied about its policies. Um, Monaghan wasn't the, the, uh, the commissioner then, Fincham was, but Com- Fincham went after especially Vijay Singh in a very public way and felt by, uh, seemed to feel by his actions and by his words that he could essentially be a dictator with regard to all things, including um, you know, it's it's his disciplinary rights. And the PGA, you know, it, it, at some point I think will have to come. You know, we'll have its reckoning of, of, about that. And there's been some progress in other sports for um, compromising or at least modifying um, the, the ways that the leagues exercise their um, monopolistic powers. And it it may well happen to the PGA and may well happen to the PGA here. Mm -hmm.
0: If, if, if there are, if there are lawsuits, which is, you know, again, I think where we're going here and players are suspended by the, the PGA tour, um, or the DP world tour, how does injunctive relief work to allow players to keep competing while the case is ongoing. How does that work?
1: The the players would have to prove um, in court that they had two things, that they had a likelihood of success on the merits and would be irreparably injured if they were precluded from playing on the PGA Tour. And on the flip side, the PGA served to rebut the burden that would be on the players. If it were the players who were seeking injunctive relief against the PGA, the PGA would have to prove that it had a rational basis for doing what it was doing and suspending um, the players. And therefore, the PGA um, would attempt to rebut the likelihood of success showing that the players um, would have the burden of proving. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be if it would really, you know, there's, especially in the world of antitrust, there's no way you can sit here today and say one side is right and one side is wrong. You can have, you know, a political, a moral, an ethical um, reckoning about which side you think is right and wrong. Antitrust is a very, very complicated area of law. Mm -hmm. You know, I I don't think that there will be a, um, it's not going to be clear, but it's going to be very interesting.
0: Haymaker Coffee Company was established in 2021 to create the best coffee to fuel the underdogs who perseveres, who hustles, and have the give-it-all mentality to achieve their American dream. Haymaker Coffee, only roast top quality, specialty-grade coffee beans resulting in brews that satisfies those who demand every drop from their coffee and day. If you work hard, run hard, fight hard, and play hard, we have your coffee right here. Yeah. Well, and what makes it further interesting, Peter, in some of your previous encounters with the sport, um, there's other governing bodies, like the four major championships in professional golf are not operated by the PGA tour, which we've been talking about to this point. And you've got the masters, right? Which is, right. Uh, Augusta national. You've got the U S open, which is coming up in two weeks, which is the USGA. You've got the PGA championship, which is the PGA. And of course the PGA is different than the PGA tour. We're talking about the PGA tour here. And then you got the open championship, which is the RNA, you know, so there's all these other governing bodies that, are going to have to weigh in as well at some point and can govern in their own ways. And like, that's just a whole other discussion, isn't it? In what these four governing bodies are going to be able to do, because I'm sure the PGA tour is looking at these guys saying, look, guys, are you, are you with us (laughs) here as we go down this path or not?
1: Travis, that's actually that's really an excellent point, and it can work both ways. On the one hand, the PGA Tour can take the position in combating the claim of monopoly. Hey, look, we do have other other organizations involved who are independent um, and have a significant say in the world of golf. We're we're not a monopoly, the way. The NFL, for instance, is monopoly in pro football. On the other hand, if those four entities follow suit and there's any evidence of the five entities conspiring together, it it will help um, the Saudi position with regard to proving a conspiracy. But that's right. I mean, the the PGA can say there are are these four organizations, there are tours in Europe, there are other, other tours. We're not a monopoly. We just happen to to be the best. And the players, by signing uh, their membership agreement as independent contractors, acknowledge we're the best. And the reason we are the best is that we do keep an orderly orderly control over golf, and we do keep schedules. And the fan base gets to uh, anticipate that the top players are going to be at every you know, significant um, tournament. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, another reason why it's complicated. And look, there are precedents that go both ways. I think it was in 1974, the Federal Trade Commission actually um, internally, or some of its uh, staff attorneys, in a very similar situation, determined that the PGA was a monopoly and couldn't do almost essentially what it's trying to do now, the FTC never took any action, um, which you know could speak to any number of things. It could speak to a decision that the staff attorneys were wrong. It could speak to um, the fact that PGA is so strong that the FTC didn't want to fight it. I mean, it's, it's hard to know. Mm-hmm. Um, in the tennis world, I think... Uh, Billie Jean King tried to start a competitive tennis circuit and um, had an adverse determination that the, the tennis um, organizations could control a schedule and could do essentially what Monaghan wants to do with the PGA. So there is some precedent, but it, you know, it's, it's hard to tell. Those are not recent cases. Uh, Antitrust law, uh, not the law itself, but antitrust enforcement changes from administration to administration. Mm -hmm. look, it may be that the uh, Department of Justice is more concerned about things that probably should be more concerned about in terms of whether big business is monopolizing and driving up consumer prices and and things of that sort. And maybe the the Department of Justice doesn't want to waste its resources, but that doesn't stop the parties from having private litigation over this issue. Mm -hmm.
0: When you look at the LIV group and how they've strategized and have executed and positioned itself to this point, right? Because clearly there's a strategy for them here as they've Greg Norman leading the charge, and then Phil Mickelson coming over. And now they set their schedule, and their first event is in London next week. And they've now drawn a couple names, the biggest being Dustin Johnson, which is a big star um, on the PGA Tour. And he's now going over there. And of course, going against what Monaghan uh, ruled as far as denying these guys release. And usually a release overseas, you know, you'll get those one-offs. These players will be able to go do that in the United States. Those releases are not granted unless if it's a, a made for TV type of special event, like we just saw that was called the match. Um, The next event for the LIB series in July will be in Portland, Oregon. And so you have all these guys um, applying for the release Monaghan, um, I thought, would allow them to go to London but then draw the line when they come to the United States um, because his position would be probably a little more padded versus with the direct competition of the tour in the United States. Were you surprised that he drew the line that quickly with this first event being in London and not in the United States?
1: <laughs> you know, I think given given my somewhat idiosyncratic uh, experiences with Monaghan and the PGA, I'm never surprised at anything they do. Mm -hmm. And I'm not surprised at uh, the PGA looking at all issues as black and white issues and saying, you know, taking the position that, hey, we're we're right, they're wrong, and the the line is not, you know, can't be blurred. So, no, I think um, institutionally it's consistent with the way the PGA generally functions. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure they're getting the best legal advice, having drawn the line the way they did. Mm. I think it would, would the PGA probably would be in a stronger position if it took the you know if it did as you suggested, um, especially because there isn't any kind of political outcry. It's just a business decision. Uh, I, I do question whether the PGA tours following the right script as far as legal strategy is concerned. Hmm.
0: What's your, your analysis on the other side in the way that the LIV group is going about this and their strategy and their position being, cause if I'm hearing you right, they, what, what they want to see is, and what they have to be able to prove is this monopoly, right? I mean, that's really what it's coming down to for them. Is
1: that, am I hearing you correctly? Monopoly or a conspiracy, correct. Mm-hmm. Look, I think the I think um, they are probably doing it right. They're forcing Monaghan to make these kind of black and white decisions that speak louder to the claim of, of monopoly. So I I think um not predicting it, predicting at the end of the day that it will prevail, but I think the LIV is probably And doing it the way that um, buttresses its legal position as best it can.
0: PXG has done it again with the launch of a new lineup of drivers, fairways, hybrids, and irons. The new Gen 5 golf clubs deliver significantly increased MOI, faster ball speeds, longer distances, and tighter dispersions, all coupled what the exceptional feel and sound golfers have come to expect from PXG schedule your custom fitting or buy online at PXG.com. So an entry an antitrust lawsuit, it just, that's very complicated, but at the end of the day, it, it, it's a monopoly or conspiracy, right? I mean, that's what we're up against here.
1: And one of the factors that the courts will look at is how it affects the consumer. And look, you you clearly know lots more about golf than I do. But I would think in a situation like this, there are probably arguments on both sides. Whether consumers are better off having a competitive tour like the LIV because there's more excitement, more... um, uh, You can articulate for me better than I can how the consumers would be... um, would be benefited. On the other hand, there are arguments to be made that the consumer would have less um, assured assurances about who, you know, he or she was going to follow, and um, less of a, uh, uh, a comfort in, in, in the rankings. And maybe the consumer would be um, it would be to the consumer's detriment mm-hmm. to have uh, the LIVs sort of poaching some of pga's best stars I'm, I'm not sure how that necessarily will play out especially because there is so much money behind the LIV. it's not like um, the argument could be made well let's just see how the market plays out to, to some extent that works better when you evaluate the pga's position but when the livs is is so incredibly financed, probably with government money, there's no real market um, uh, fluctuation depending on um, whether the consumer is or isn't benefiting. So as we go down this path towards a lawsuit and when it it does hit,
0: do you anticipate that it's going the timing of it is going to come from when Jay Monahan, basically now comes down and, and how he's going to handle Dustin Johnson, Taylor Gooch, th- these members that have win against the denial of the release, right? So basically there's going to be him coming down saying, here is the punishment. And at that point, that's when the rubber meets the road. Am I, am I, you, do you believe that's what's going to happen here as far as lawsuit starting?
1: Yeah, that's exactly right, Travis. I think what'll happen is Monaghan will institute will, will impose the suspension. And Dustin Johnson, probably because he's the the best um, the, the best image from a PR standpoint to mm-hmm. take on this fight will move to and join the PGA from enforcing that suspension and the lawsuit would then be between the player and the PGA tour. Right. Right. I don't my I mean, it's possible the LIV could join okay. in the litigation um, again from a public perspective. I think that Dustin Johnson is a better um, name on the caption than the Saudi Arabian you know, controlled tour. But on the other hand, you know, President Biden seems to be. Um, becoming more flexible with his view of Saudi Arabia now too. So maybe I'm misjudging how um, Saudi Arabia is being perceived. I don't think so. I hope not, but I guess that's possible.
0: And I think where the line is really blurry is, is when he does govern and when he does come down with the punishment is what is going to be too severe, Right. Because he's going to have to make it severe. Like he can't back off, you know, he's made some threats that there could be a potential lifetime man. I mean, obviously that would be the ultimate punishment and it wouldn't take long to go to a lawsuit from there, but how swiftly and how severe does he come down? And because it's going to have to be, because if he, if it's minor, then more players are going to go.
1: I think that's exactly right. I can't imagine him imposing a lifetime ban, but no, I don't think he will. He has to do something significant enough, mm-hmm. and whether that means a one-year suspension or pulling the player's card and making you know making him reapply, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I guess that's a possibility as well. But it's going to be fascinating to see. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> it's, well, it's fascinating. I'm
0: sure, <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. Yeah, I would love to just uh, be a fly on the wall and just listen to you uh, talk about this as all of these things start to transpire, which they're going to happen here. I mean, the, the wheels are moving now. Um, yeah. And there's going to be players. Oh, what is it? 40, I think there's 42 um, players. I, get, I think you're going to be playing in London um, next week. And then, and then they come to the United States in July. And so, and and then you factor in, like we talked about these other four governing bodies And, and then where do they come in on this and what does that mean? So there's just so many moving parts and, you know, I could ask you a million more questions, but, you know, just, just kind of looking ahead. I mean, what, you know, final question here for you is, is what are you most interested to see? as you look at this between the PGA tour, these players that are now starting to venture over the LIV group, what, what is it that the next move or two, are you really intrigued by, by one or all of these groups um, that's going to transpire over the next, say
1: month? Well, this, this may be because of my own experiences, but I'll love, I am looking forward to, watching the PGA and seeing whether it has the dexterity to do anything other than take some sort of draconian step and whether Monaghan has the sort of um, uh, flexibility to figure out something that is sufficiently innovative to put him in the best way as far as public opinion is concerned. Mm. So I think that's just from a, a golf standpoint, you know, I, I think that watching how the PGA tries to handle this is going to be um, a very interesting focus.
0: Peter can't thank you enough um, for coming on the uh, Stripe show podcast. Uh, have a it's wonderful, have a wonderful week, and Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for your time.